Many children who are waiting for adoption have some additional health needs or developmental needs, and sometimes their needs are unknown. In today's episode, we meet Nicole. Nicole adopted a child who has developmental needs. So we talk about what the challenges she faced and how she overcame them. Hi, so joining us today is uh, one of our adopters, Nicole, and she's going to share her story with us. So hi, Nicole. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Um, so should we start by, um, if, do you just want to share your uh, your adoption story so far? Yeah, so um, in 2019, back in 2019, we started the process. Um, it was something that we'd always sort of considered. And then sort of one day we just sort of went, shall we just do it? And then we went to an information evening, which I think are probably virtual now, but it was in person at the time. Um, we were really, really happy with everything we had. We were glad to go ahead. And um, so ultimately that led to us adopting our son, Ashton. He was 18 months at the time we adopted him. He's three and a half now. And then three months ago, um, on a Monday morning, we got an email letting us know that Ashton had a baby sister been born and it was a, a concealed pregnancy. And would we be able to take her? So that was on the Monday. We picked her up on the Wednesday. So she's with us on a, an EPP placement. At the wow. <laughs> yeah. That must have been a shock to the system. Um, yeah, that was it. We, we, we'd sort of discussed it before because we knew other families that had, um, had similar situations but we didn't think it would ever happen in our situation um but we were more than happy to to take her and it's been a, a bit of a whirlwind ever since so what led you to adoption in the first place so was it um you know through choice had you tried to have children already uh, so we we had always talked about adopting but we did um try to have biological children for about a year um, it wasn't working. We were getting quite fed up. I just said, let's just pack this off. Let's go. Um, the adoption route. Like I say, we, we had, we weren't particularly, like, married to the idea of having biological children. And um, we always felt that we could provide a really good home for a child who, who needed it. So we went to a information evening. We were really happy. Um, decided to go ahead and then just before our son moved in we found out that actually I wouldn't be able to have biological children without um intervention. So um we've completely closed the door on that now. My husband's had a vasectomy was not gonna consider it ever again. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah. when you first started um sort of going through the process, did you already have kind of a, a you know a fixed idea about what child you might then go on to adopt or were you quite flexible and we were quite flexible yeah we didn't really want a baby um and we didn't want like a massively older child because I used to work in early years so I have a lot of experience with but mostly toddlers now so that's sort of the age I felt most comfortable with and when we did see our son's profile he'd just turned one and I thought oh I don't know if he's maybe a, a bit young and I don't know if that's really what we're looking for. Um, but we, I especially felt like an instant connection to him. So that was how we ended up with Ashton. 
Um, but no, in terms of like gender, anything like that, we didn't really have any preference. And in terms of um, their health needs or any kind of unknown needs, did you have any reservations along those lines? Yeah, so um, at the time when we first saw Ashton's profile, he um, was really significantly delayed. He had um, no indication of any speech whatsoever. He had really poor um, sort of interpersonal skills for a baby, like he had no eye contact, no facial expressions, doesn't really like smile or laugh. He didn't sit until he was one. He didn't walk so just before he moved in at 18 months. Um, but at the time, they were saying he may never walk, he may never see, um, we don't know what the rest of his life is going to look like, even things like we don't know if he can potty train, anything like that. Um, so we did initially think, oh, this might be maybe more than we can handle. But um, like I say, I just felt like really connected to him and I just thought, I can, I can, I can do this. Like, we always try and sort of think of the kids' needs as if what if they never progress beyond where they are now? And that's sort of just like the way we approach it. The way else that happens beyond that is just like a nice little extra bonus, I guess. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Once you found out that um, Ashton had um, sort of developmental delay, did you sort of need to do any additional preparation to uh, be- before he moved in? Um, not for us, no, because I'm, I have an earlier background. I used to work in nurseries prior to having the kids. And I have quite a lot of experience with special needs children and I've done a lot of training on um, like developmental trauma and a lot of things like that already. So really, um, we, we felt quite well equipped to deal with what we needed. And my husband's always been really good at sort of, he's quite happy to let me sort of tell him how to, how to do things and what I think is the best way. He knows that I've got a lot of experience in these sort of things. Have you had much support? Um, so within within our family and our friends, yeah, like everyone is really, very really supportive. And um, in some ways, because the kids are both um, petite, the sort of developmental level sort of matches the way they look. So people don't really um, question it too much. Like when we're out and about, no one goes, oh, why didn't he talk or whatever. Um, but we do find quite a lot within like our immediate circle. People are sort of quite dismissive of his um, additional needs. Just, I think it comes from a place of trying to be supportive, where they go, "Oh no, he's fine. He'll catch up. It, 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 there's nothing wrong with him." When there is, and he does need extra support, and I don't think it benefits anybody to to ignore that. But he's, um, he's three and a half now and he's, he is speaking, although it's very limited and he's very, very unclear. But he's come such a long way. But he's nowhere near where you would expect for his age. And I think people are trying to be helpful when they say those sort of things. Have you had um, any sort of professional support? Yeah, so um, Ashton, when he first came to us, he was under probably anyone you can think of. He had occupational therapy. He had speech, he had dietitian, physio he used to have. 
he was under the eye hospital and then gradually they all sort of started to drop off and then we reached a point where we had no um active referrals at all and we are now currently working with speech and they've been really really helpful and um, especially in the last sort of year or so when it, as he's gotten a bit bigger and he can engage a bit more with the the therapy that's been brilliant and i really would recommend getting that um early speech intervention if you've got a child with a language delay because if you're waiting it's waiting and seeing you might get to a point where you when you actually get your referral you wait in six months a year before they can get you in whereas we're really lucky that Ashton was able to start seeing them and i think it was 18 months that he started in speech and it has been really really helpful for him did you find yes. when you first moved in, you had any sort of particular challenges that you were, you had to face that you weren't really expecting? Um, so Ashton is a remarkably adaptable little boy. And we had a really long, for his age, we had a really long transition period between his um, foster carers and us. And he, he did always, he took really, really well to us. Um, I don't think really beyond sort of the typical, oh my God, there's a child here now thing I don't think there was really anything that was different than it would have been with a child with more typical needs but that said I suppose all adopted children are going to come with a little bit of additional needs in one way or another and we've always just sort of tried to meet him where he is so it's never really sort of seemed that challenging we just sort of keep up with him so like we moved house about a year ago and he coached brilliantly with that. And I always thought of, I always really try and like check into things. And we've got a moving house. I've got loads of books about moving house. Talked about it loads. And then when it comes to it, he was just fine. And he just goes with it. And he's really, um, resilient and for everything that's happened, he was, um, with his birth parents for 14 weeks while they had their like, um, assessment. Then he went into foster care at 14 months and then he came home to us at 18 months. So even that alone is really disruptive and without anything else. And then he, that all happened during COVID, which was difficult. And I think that has impacted his speech quite significantly as well, being a COVID baby, because everyone he saw had masks on, apart from his foster carers. Um, and he has really come on, actually. It's been noted that when we've been going to his little groups and stuff, since people took masks off, he um, started interacting a lot more with other people. I thought, I've lost track of what I was saying now. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> what the point was. <laughs> that was like, it was about challenges. Um, but yes, you've you've covered that. Uh, so uh, let's move on to uh, child number two. So uh, how, did, yeah. uh, how did that all happen? Um, and for, for, for people listening uh, who can't see, um, Nicole has got a, a, a beautiful, tiny little baby with her that she's just feeding. So it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, baby Amelia, yeah. Um, so she um, was a complete shock. Um, we, we weren't expecting her at all. Um, we've never really had a massive interest in having a baby. Like it wasn't something that was ever really on the cards, for us, especially since adopting. Um, but yeah, so Ashton's biological parents um, had another baby. They didn't tell anyone. They didn't seek any um, greenness uh, um, until she turned up in the hospital, ready to ready to give birth. Um, 
she, Amelia was in NICU for about a week when we found out about it. But we got an email from Ashton's social worker just saying, this is what's going on. Um, could you consider taking her? We don't really have anywhere else for her to go. Um, she's being discharged on Wednesday, whether we have a home for her or not. Um, we were happy to take her, and I think if it had been another baby, I would have thought twice. But because it's actually sister, I was like, no, that's, we've got to take her. How could we not? Uh, so we picked her up, and we had a mad couple of days getting sorted, getting pots and baby clothes and bottles, and we had nothing at all. I had saved a couple of bits from Ashton, but obviously he was much older, so none of it was any use. Um, we had really, really helpful and really supportive friends who really helped us um, get all the stuff we needed. We've got a lot of friends with young kids, so they were able to like pass on their kids. So, um, and then yeah, we picked her up. We told Ashley on the Tuesday morning. He took it in his stride. I couldn't believe it. Um, while we were waiting, Alex had to go to the hospital by himself to get her because I had to wait at her with Ashley, and it ended up taking quite a bit longer than. We'd expect it. Ashton seems so impatient. He was in baby Amelia now. And I was like, well, she'll get here when she gets here. Um, there's a funny story actually. While we were waiting, the person came and posted a letter, parcel through the door. And Ashton went, baby Amelia in there? And I was like, it's not happening. But, um, yeah, we brought her home on that Wednesday. Um, it's been a bit of a, a whirlwind and obviously no one was expecting her. There was no planning for it. There was social care. We've had meetings and meetings and meetings trying to get everything sorted out. Um, she has contact with their family three times a week for an hour at a time, which is, which has been really challenging, especially, um, as my husband's gone back to work after his paternity because I can't really drive to the, the contact centre with Ashton and get the baby out of the car to hand the baby over to their family and then them bump into Ashton like unexpectedly. And we do have contact with their family once a year, uh, with Ashton, which we had actually just this week and it went really, really well and it's it's really smooth. Um but we obviously don't want to be doing that in a unplanned, sort of uncontrolled way. So that's all been a big challenge in itself. And then on top of all the normal baby appointments and vaccines and health checks and then the stuff Ashton's got and he's at nursery and he's got his EHC assessments and we're having to do Zoom calls about that and all sorts of things. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever been so busy in my life, <laughs> which is probably not what you want when you've got two small children. <laughs> it's like having a full-time job at the minute, just constantly like, keeping track of everything, knowing who needs to be where when and who can take who to what and really it has been really really challenging but she's very lovely and she's a very easy going baby so how did you find it personally when she first moved in did you have any any difficulties yeah so it really was a, a shock and um especially sort of I think the first few weeks I was just running on adrenaline and then sort of after the dust settled it did really hit and I thought what are we doing and with Ashton, I, I felt um, I bonded with him immediately. Like I've, I've always felt really, really close with him. And with Amelia, it's only really now, and she's 15 weeks, that I'm sort of starting to feel anything towards her. I used to 
you'd look at her and think, I don't, I don't know her. Like, who is this baby? And um, luckily, I find I say luckily, that sounds awful, but I've got a couple of friends who um, with with their birth children really struggled with um, postnatal depression, and they felt very similarly about their biological children. So I was able to sort of go to them and say, like, God, this is awful. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I feel like I don't love her. I feel awful that I don't love this baby. And I think it's easy to sort of assume that's because she's not mine. But I think actually it's just having a tiny baby is really, really hard. And having a tiny baby on top of everything else is really, really hard. But it was it was nice to be able to sort of have those conversations with other people and not feel quite such an alien, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So what um, advice would you give someone who is thinking of adopting uh, and maybe particularly thinking, you know, could I could I cope with a, a child who's got additional or developmental needs? What what advice would you give? What would you have liked to have known at the, at the beginning? For me, I'd always planned to leave my job when we adopted and give a, at least a couple of years for just being with the child. Um, but now with Ashley's needs and with Amelia as well, on that, but we don't know what her, her development's going to look like. Um, we don't have any plans for me ever to go back to work now because we just don't think it's, it's workable. Like we can't, we couldn't really have any natural care. So it would be too challenging for him. Um, so you do really, if you're taking on a child with additional needs, I think you do really need to be prepared for it to be everything. And like I say, it, it is like a full-time job. And yeah, we have a bit of a, a chill in the afternoon while we'll still sit and watch a film. But other than that, it is absolutely just like, it's flat out all day, every day. And like even now he's three and a half and he doesn't always sleep right through. We have to be getting up with him in the night. Um, he has just potty trained, so I've taken a little bit of the, of the, the weight off. Because doing two lots of nappies was, was really... A bit challenging. I didn't like that at all. But it, it's honestly, it did just decide himself that it was ready to, to party train just after Amelia moved in. <laughs> Not the best timing. But um, yeah, it is. It, 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 you need to be ready for it to be all encompassing and just everything. And yeah, my husband does work, but when he's not at work, it's exactly the same thing. It's, it's just great in there. We've always got at least one of them. But there's, there's really no downtime and like Ashton we've had him for just a little bit over two years now and he's not been away from us for a night in all that time so we've never had a night out just me and my husband in the time which is to be honest we don't mind too much we we do stuff separately we have our own friends what would you say the highs are for you for of adopting oh it's honest it's I have sort of whinged <laughs> the whole conversation so far um, it's been amazing and uh, I'm so grateful like for all these kids like they're just wonderful and especially like when Ashton hit milestones that we never thought he would like what he spoke his first word um he was around two when we did that and I was like oh, God. like I never we were just so resigned to like this is it he's never gonna have like verbal speech he does he does sign and he has been able to use like um communication cards but 
verbal speech was sort of something that we didn't expect at all. And now, although his speech is really unclear, he talks all the time. He never stops. <laughs> and um, with his own physical development, like considering we were at one point people were concerned he'd never walk, he does handstands and tuffle pills. And I've, I've never seen a child who's as good at climbing as he is at such a young age. Like he's really got his like, and he's such a character as well. Like it's just been amazing to like get to like sort of share his life with him almost. And then it's been similar with Amelia. Like then obviously she's been for a few weeks, but we have waited a little bit longer for some of her milestones already. Um, and again, we're just trying not to take it each day as it comes and not um about it too much and I think I've learned a lot from Ashton whereas just like don't worry about it like they get there and when they get there so when she did start smiling and when she did start holding her head up by herself it's just amazing and she's just like the birth of like such happy children in spite of everything and easy going and just lovely and the birthright little personalities even I mean being so tiny it has, it's just been lovely and I, I recommend adoption for everyone to be honest. And I say like, I, I can't, I can't recommend it more because it's just been so wonderful. And I think it, in some ways it's nice going into adopting sort of knowing what you're going to get. Whereas when you're having a biological child, you don't know, you could get all sorts of disabilities and needs that you're not expecting. But at least adopting, you've got an idea going in what you, what you're going to be dealing with and if it's something you can you can handle okay well that's i think that's great thank you very much all right thank you yeah it's been great thanks thank you for for sharing your story with us yeah no problem thank you for having us if you're interested in finding out more about adopting with one adoption please come along to one of our information events you can find out more about our information events or the south yorkshire information video on the events page on the One Adoption website.